0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Watch Time. I hope you've been staying busy and creating tons of content. I know we haven't posted in a couple weeks. Our schedule shifted because of Memorial Day and uh, due to the coronavirus restrictions starting to get lifted in Ohio, we've begun transitioning back to our office and also starting to return to client projects that had gotten postponed. So we thought it was best to take a little break, get those things settled, and then jump back on the content fresh. I hope everyone listening is starting to do the same wherever you may live. It's a great feeling to be out working with clients again and helping them grow their business. And that being said, I'm really excited about today's episode about a month ago we published episode number 11, how to make your cell phone videos more cinematic. And we interviewed Valerie Garrett, our friend and cinematographer. And if you haven't had a chance to check out that episode, make sure you do so. Val does a great job at giving some tips on how to apply simple principles to start making your cell phone videos look and sound better. So big thank you to everyone who listened and for the feedback. We got a great response from that episode so much that we decided to bring on another guest to help you increase the quality of your content. And his name is Nathan Rafter. Nathan is a videographer and marketer located in Southern Florida. Nathan has years of experience producing videos and helping clients create social media and television ads that help drive sales and convert viewers into customers. One thing that's really interesting though, is Nathan has been creating killer content for his clients using mostly GoPros. I took a look at Nathan's work and let me tell you, it's the real deal. So many people own action cameras like GoPros, so I thought it'd be great to have Nathan on the podcast and learn more about his video production setup, his process, and what tips he has to help you create some great content using your action camera. One thing that we always tell clients when they first start off creating their own video content is use the camera you have. So if you have a GoPro, a DJI Osmo action or any action camera, Nathan is going to enlighten you and let you know how you can start using your camera for more than just travel and snowboarding videos. And if you don't own one and you're looking for a camera to invest in, these cameras are affordable and a great option for you to get started with. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into the podcast and get some wisdom from Nathan right after this. You're
1: listening to Watch Time, supercharged video marketing tips for the savvy small business owner and the modern mid-market professional with Flex Media's Kathy Zip and
0: Bill Barona.
2: Welcome back. I'm Kathy Zip,
0: And I'm Bill Barona.
2: And today we're going to take a dive back into the world of video production. You know, we've been focusing a lot lately on strategy and the marketing components of video, which are, you know, really important because that's the first step, because uh, that's the first step before you can really start creating your content. But then once you have your strategy mapped out and you have your script written, it's time to press record.
0: That's right, Kathy. And I feel sometimes this is where everyone starts to fall apart. We see so many people trying to buy the best gear on the market or not really knowing what to buy to record their videos. And oftentimes they end up getting intimidated and just stop before they even get started.
2: Definitely. And that's why we always want to encourage our clients You know, when they're starting off, just use the camera they have or buy something affordable and easy to use. And so that's why today we have a very special guest with us, Nathan Rafter. A videographer and video marketer that creates some really amazing content. And he only is using his GoPro action cameras. So there's really, truly a lot you can do with that. And we're really excited to learn more about that. So hi, Nathan, and thank you very much for being on the podcast.
1: Well, Thank you so much for having me. And for the uh, fellow watch timers that are listening, I'm very excited to be here because uh, I feel like this is such an important topic. Like everyone, it's so fixated on gear and not the purpose the gear has, which is create your content and share your message. And when you get lost in the weeds there, you you lose money and you lose motivation and you just, you get away from what you're actually trying to accomplish.
2: Definitely. Sometimes people will make it harder than it needs to be. And so we're really excited to learn from you today. Uh, I think a good place to start would be if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your background and how you got started in video production and marketing.
1: Uh, of course. Uh, well, as you already know, my name is Nathan Rafter. I am an all-in-one professional creative and certified Scrum Master with over 15 years of experience across nearly every facet of the creative and marketing industries. I've taught in the nation's most prestigious web program over at Full Sail University. I've had my work broadcast across the ESPN networks. And I was, uh, you know, I've held numerous roles like senior user experience designer for the executive team over at Sykes Enterprises and, uh, and so much more. And I'm really grateful for the career that I've had because my beginnings are, in my opinion, rather humble. I, you know, started by making skateboarding films with my friends. And if you want to talk shoestring budget, No one has less money than teenagers who have already convinced their parents to spend $120 on a skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) There is no camera budget whatsoever. So, you know, you use what you have, literally. And in the early days, you know, we're shooting it on like late 90s tape-based cameras. We're doing editing on the VCR live on the tape. And... And it just really prepares you and gives you armor to, to be okay with failing because so many tricks get overwritten or cut or uh, or you're just filming on, on a potato quality camera that can't quite distinguish between the ground and the board that you're using. And, and I think that gave me a lot of armor and a lot of creative problem-solving situations where I had to get the shot because you know, when you're not the greatest at skateboarding, when you go out to do a trick, it could literally be the only time you ever land it in your life. So you have to get it. And one of the things that that I learned early on and that I recently heard echoed by Ron Howard, the director, from one of these master class preview videos, and he was saying that, like, every project has a way of, of like, breaking your heart and... And I learned that really early on, you know, when you go like, oh, I'm going to go ahead and do a kickbook down this forest there. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be just like the uh, the the videos that I watch from the pros. And then you see your footage and you're just like, oh, God, just, <laughs> uh. <laughs> was that the best? That was the best one we could do. That was the best land I had. They're like, Yeah, that was that was the best. And you're just like, all right, OK, moving on. <laughs> Uh, so from there, I just kind of grew. I, I fell in love with the art of creation, and I got into designing and branding, and photography, and videography, and print design, and just snowballed from there. And I, I, I called myself a a creative one day. I I accepted that title, and you know, fifteen years later, here I am.
0: I think that's absolutely amazing that you started with skateboarding because I feel like there are so many videographers that I talk to that do end up starting with skateboarding. But like, I think that it's interesting the way you look at it. I feel like a lot of them, when they do start that way, it's like they're just trying to make these cool videos with their friends. But I like that you can look back at that and now, identify like this was my beginning. I started with, you know, essentially next to, to nothing to work with. And then you were able yeah. to grow from there to where you are today, which I find to be interesting. That was one of the things when we were talking um, over the phone, I thought was really neat was that you are a videographer and you have all this video production experience, but you're also a marketer, which I feel like there are a lot of people in the industry. There's a a big disconnect between them and very few are starting to bridge that gap. So I know you have your own company. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what you do at your company and and how that relates back from video and marketing and putting those two things together?
1: Absolutely. So for, for me, and what I offer clients, uh, not just here in Florida, but nationally and beyond, is I, am, I have spent my life uh, really honing a broad skill set. I have worked nearly every type of role from the bottom to the top. And, you know, I have that understanding of what's important and what's necessary to achieve at every level, they're in. And, you know, I've been a, a peon grunt that's sitting there just, you know, banging out flash ads back in the day or, or just knocking out logos, you know, like 20 logos in a day. And I've been the person who is, you know, all the way up from the person who is archetyping these, these, these plans and working with the clients and, learning about the, their business and how I can actually help connect what they do with customers who, who need that. And, you know, I'm one of the few people in the industry, at least in my experience, I have a creative background and I also have a business background. I have a master's degree from Full Sail University in entertainment business. And I took that route because Of the 2008 financial crash, you know, I graduated from my bachelor's degree right into the 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 hot mess that was late 2008 and I got hired at numerous studios and and they closed shortly after I joined them. Um, And, you know, I ended up having to spend a year and a half away from the industry making ends meet and and I spent that time, you know, in the lab, after work, any moment I had, I spent really trying to assess what I was missing, or or what questions clients had asked me in the past, or or that or that large agencies were doing with clients that I was maybe missing what what pieces of the puzzle there were. So I went back and got my. So I went to to full sale. You know, I saved up money and went back to full sale and you know that's when the the light bulb really really clicked for me. You know, before I felt like I was just I was working in history and and not not getting very far. And once I started to 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 look at you know, it's it's not about the creation of it. It's about how you connect people with it and how you create stuff that people actually want to connect with. So so much of my business is built on that is is what actually grows your business what is unique about about you as a business and and how can i help you express that value to customers that are hungry for it and who will embrace it and i do that across you know video lead gen which video plays a big role in for myself i use numerous platforms to create videos specifically for the purpose of educating them and moving them uh, along the pipeline in ways that the the client is is happy to to go along with in ways that that motivate them and and reaffirm that this decision is good because if they're interested in making it it likely is good for them in some way shape or form whether that's in utility or happiness or you know just that that one-off, uh, need of like, hey, we we want a jacuzzi in the backyard because it's you know gonna gonna do so much for us when we socialize. It's like, all right, cool. That's the story of your client. How do we how do we connect what you do with that with that end goal result, and how do we add value after that? So that's really you know kind of the the approach I take with my work, and like I said, I, it goes across everything I have experience in. Mm -hmm. is what I offer services in. I don't, if I can do it, I have trained myself to do it at a professional level that is, you know, focused on delivering value that is competitively priced, which you had mentioned the agencies, you know, Mm -hmm. larger agencies kind of doing this work and, and how it could be easily complicated. And it's true, you know, once you take people who aren't the doers in this kind of situation, you get feedback that isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily align with with what the work does. You know, they look at it as a commodity, as a thing that you're as this thing that you can just stamp out and say, this will this will grow business, this will grow business in a vacuum. And it doesn't work that way. I like to work with my clients on an individual basis. I really like to to listen to them to learn to get to know their teams i visit them often and shoot video right there at their at their site Mm -hmm. and and one of the things that's great about about my approach is that you guys do video you guys have done big productions Mm -hmm. you know that when you take non-actors and put them in front of the camera they the amount of gear you have in front of them is going to (laughs) amplify their stress it's going to make them go like oh my god i got to get this line perfect <laughs> and and my experience at ESPN taught me you know don't do that mm-hmm. uh you know i led a lot of uh, athlete interviews and i worked a lot of the youth sports that were there so you know i'm talking to to 13 year olds that are awkward as hell and they do not want to be on camera but they kind of want to be on camera mm-hmm. and it's I found that if I worried less about my gear and I worried more about my interaction that I was capturing Mm -hmm. and, and made an effort to make them comfortable, to to show them like, hey, the camera's there. But it's just me and you talking that I got so much better content, even if I had to maybe do a little bit more in post. It was worth focusing on my on my content than it was focusing on the, the technical aspect. And I think that's where the idea of this, this kind of GoPro approach was born from.
0: So one thing I did want to touch on just based on what you were talking about, and I mean, correct me if, if I'm wrong in saying this, but this is for all the people that are listening. The key to what I'm picking up from what you're saying and what we often say to our clients is as important as the visuals may be and people kind of get caught up in you know buying the best gear or is this going to look visually appealing – The messaging is more important than the actual gear itself. You still want to have a good looking video, like you still want to look decent, but the messaging will far outweigh the quality of the gear that you're bringing to the table.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Every time you do not watch them, you do not watch any content unless it's like a video review for that, that specific piece of hardware. You don't watch those because you're Going like, oh, I wonder what the red looks like. You, 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 you don't, you don't go like, oh, I wonder what kind of can is that a Mark? Is that a Canon Mark One? What, what are they shooting on? Mm-hmm. You know, you may, you may talk about what lens they're shooting on, just to to talk about what kind of cinematic effect that they're that they are going for. And mm-hmm. but you're not you're not watching it because of the camera. You're watching it because of the content. And whether it's an iPhone, or it's a red camera, or it's somewhere in between. If it's compelling and, and is relevant to you, or even if it's not, I've I've gone down some some YouTube rabbit holes where I have watched content not at all relevant to me, and I'm like, yeah, this is good. I just wasted an hour. All right. <laughs> that if it's compelling, then it's good. And if it's and I find that the best way to make that content good is to make it genuine. Mm-hmm. And the closer to honest you can get with your production. You know that apprehension that people have when they see too much production value on something, and they go like, "Oh God, I'm about to get infomercialed," and and it's not that. It's not the the vibe you want to give off. You want to say like, "Hey, you're you're really close to us right now. Where there's very few barriers between us. We're not trying to to bouquet out the background because it looks like you know it looks like garbage, or or we're not trying to." To fool you with all these fancy camera moves. We're just a person that's got a message that you care about, and I'm here to deliver it.
0: So now, going from that and just talking about the messaging and then the actual equipment, I know like you kind of touched on the GoPros before, and I know that's really what we're we're here to talk about in this episode, but mm-hmm. I really wanted to give some of your background because I think it's fascinating. I think that, you know this is more than just for everyone listening, this is more than just somebody that, you know, shoots video saying, you know, you should consider using GoPro or you should consider using the camera you have. This is somebody that's actually getting results for their clients and going from there, Nathan, like let's talk a little bit about GoPros because I know so many people have GoPros or, you know, DJI uh, Osmo Actions, those action cameras, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times they might not think I can use that to produce my content. But obviously with your company and what you've been doing, that's what you're solely using. So why GoPros and, um, you know, why did you decide to go that route?
1: Well, I've never been one for convention, for convention's sake. Um, and I, you know, I got down the rabbit hole that everyone gets down. Uh, for me, uh, I got the itch around August 2005, or 2015. And, you know, I had worked as a producer at ESPN. I had, you know, made skateboard films throughout my, my high school years. I had worked on film productions all throughout high sc- uh, all throughout college, and, you know, I, I just got this gut feeling that, you know, looking at where the, where the market was in 2015, looking at the emergence of these platforms, you know, right when I think, I think video was becoming the norm. You know, you've got 2007, 2009, when the first smartphone hit. And from that point on, we've pretty much all had production quality cameras in our pockets, um, even, even high tier and mid range phones and like the 2015 era were, there was a clear emphasis on giving people the ability to shoot quality content in a device that is with them. And, and, and it removed this whole, you need a dedicated camera, this, mm-hmm. this concept of you need that production camera and then you need a phone. And then where I was like, no, I don't, I just need my phone. and. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can even see it in the global decline of DSLR camera sales. Over the last ten years, it's dipped in something like eighty percent. Where, and that's all because of smartphones, and in part due to action cameras. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that kind of understanding, I, I remember pacing around my house and, and going down the YouTube rabbit hole and like best. You know, tell me if these keywords sound familiar. Best cinematic camera under fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, best audio uh, camera review comparisons. You know, if if you're if you're like me, you search that and watch mm. endless videos of of reviews. And and for me, there was something that nagged me about what people were saying, and it was you don't have to spend. 15,000 or 10,000 or 5,000 on a camera, you can get great picture for $1,500. And while that is true, what they what they aren't talking about is so much more than a camera goes into video production. You know, what about your gear bags? What about the clothes you're gonna wear on set? What about all your accessories and Harnesses and straps and lights and clamps and and all of these and bags and all these unforeseen expenses where it's like hey You can get a camera for fifteen hundred dollars and it's like all right, cool I I spent my whole budget and now I have I have not I have essentially the barest bones and and Also, you know when you're when you're buying DSLR cameras in that price range you are accepting antiquated autofocus stabilization uh limited resolutions and frame rates um you know more antiquated sensors and 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 software and hardware that actually make the the picture quality you know to help the picture quality and if you are an inexperienced filmmaker every single one of those is a hit against you every single one of those is a barrier for you who already has quite a bit of barriers from producing content. And when I looked at it that way, because by the way, a DSLR is already ridiculous to shoot video on. It is a photo, it is a photography camera, Mm -hmm. not a video camera. We have video cameras and they're not popular at all. No one wants to have a camcorder at all. The the camcorder market is abysmal (laughs) and and we're all shooting on these photography cameras going like, yeah, this is a video camera. It's like, no, it's a photography camera. You're mm-hmm. using photography glass. Mm-hmm. So already the the this idea that a DSLR is somehow the norm, even just when you look at it as a product, it doesn't make sense to be a video camera that's in everyone's bag. Mm-hmm. And for me, I realized that the stories I wanted to tell, the DSLR didn't lend itself to. You know, the moment you want to take a camera underwater, well, there you go. You just double the price of your camera, you know, finding a waterproof housing, mm-hmm. all of the stuff that's necessary to have that work underwater. Or, or if you want to strap it to a moving vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thanks. I'm, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and, and, and when I looked at it that way, I, I thought like, okay, a DSLR isn't right for me. Mm-hmm. And, and what alternatives are there? and, I started to think like, all right, so there's GoPros, there's all these like thirty dollar action cameras that shoot 4K and stuff. I mean, I'm sure you remember the the influx of of sports cameras that came mm-hmm. after I think like the GoPro three when it when it really started to to get market share and adoption and become a common thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And they came out with the five. And I remember kind of like pacing in my house and and building up the courage to tell my wife, like, hey, I want to spend fifteen hundred dollars on video equipment. And by the way, I don't have any clients that are asking for it. I don't have any shoots that are that are scheduled, but mm-hmm. I just feel like it's 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 now.
3: Yeah.
1: And and you know, the the thing that got me down the, the path of GoPro was that they had a, an audio dongle that none of the others had. I think the Insta 360 in its first incarnation mm-hmm. had had one, but I read the reviews for it and they were like, this thing is terrible. Just don't, It's yeah. it's not worth it. It's, it has bad connectivity. So I was like, all right, GoPro, I, I, I'm going with you. And the reason why I went with GoPro is because I needed a full equipment list. I needed a tripod, I needed a microphone, I needed a lavalier, I needed a camera, I needed grips and, and all the stuff that goes along with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I invested, I like to go big. Yeah. Um, I like to go small, but big, I don't. I, you'll, you'll see what I mean. So I didn't just buy one GoPro setup, I bought two. Because I was like, I was researching, I was like, hey, if I would spend $1,500 for a camera that could do this with these settings, well, the GoPro pretty much has everything and, and kicks most DSLRs in that price range up and down the court. The only thing I don't get is depth of field, mm-hmm. uh, or control over it, rather. And you know what? Good. I have had too many great shots ruined by being out of focus.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And and when you're doing kind of guerrilla-style filmmaking, where you, know, you go on set and you... Are you, you look at who's there on at the business that day and you ask them, hey, is it okay if I film you and just ask three questions? You, you want to be able to, to quickly and efficiently just run and gun. You know, you're mm-hmm. not going to sit there and storyboard out three questions. How am I going to shoot this? Well, I'm just going to make sure everyone's in, in frame. I'm going to make sure my composition is right. I'm going to make sure I've got my audio at a good place and capturing what people are saying. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let her rip. And the GoPro was the smallest footprint that I could take anywhere with me. It had 4K resolution at 30 frames a second. It had, you know, two and a half K at 60. I had high speed frame rates in the 1080p and 720p resolutions. If I ever want to do like um, slow motion, extreme slow motion. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the feature set. It's it, The camera itself, I can go have everything I need right there with me Mm -hmm. in a dependable package and I can you know just focus on the content I don't have to worry about like oh what's my ISO at and what's what's all this at you know once you set the GoPro Mm -hmm. it's good to go you just you got to be cognizant of a few things but once you set it you can forget it you can just hit record and go
0: I say, do you control it through the uh through the app at all do you find that oh 100 percent OK, so that's something because I know they have that app and I know like that's useful. Do you find a good use for that when you're actually shooting um, interviews totally. or things like that?
1: Yeah, I like to uh, I like to connect it and then hand it to a client when I do a shoot or two okay. and and show them like, what is it going to look like? What is a shot going to look like on camera? You know, mm-hmm. when you can show a client when you can hand them something and show them like, a really good looking picture and their product looking nice and well framed and a great composition. Mm-hmm. They are instantly stoked about the project. And they'll they'll either stay there and just watch you work or they'll be like I I'm good. Thank you so much. And they'll go off to their office. But you you give the client an opportunity to engage in the process the way they want. And for me, I you know, I can do all the technical jargon, mm-hmm. but when I shoot, I usually don't because I need to communicate with non-technical people. Mm-hmm. So everything is conversational. Everything is is what kind of what kind of consistent language can I build with my client so where he knows kind of what I'm what I'm what I'm putting down so mm-hmm. he can kind of play off of that or contribute to that or or just understand what the what the goal is. And for me it was it was, you know, the app a phone it's got wireless up to like uh like 30 meters unobstructed and
3: Mm -hmm.
1: not really it's it's probably like 30 feet at most um and and i use it for that i also use it in my home studio so i have the gopro facing me obviously so i can't look at its at what's on the screen and i've got a microphone on the top of it so even if the display mod wherever in stock it wouldn't do me any good anyways mm-hmm. so i use it on a i set up my camera right in front of me and off to the side i have this uh really really cool it's a standing wireless battery charger and the battery pack actually lifts up out of it and it becomes a travel wireless battery pack charger and usb charger mm-hmm. so i just set my phone on that and bring up the app and I monitor what I'm you know how I look I can modify any settings I want I can press record Mm -hmm. um, no problem and not disturb the camera so I find a a huge use for that app Um, and and whenever I can try to use it I I try to because unless I'm really worried about battery life for the GoPro Mm -hmm. which I, I have a couple of solutions for that that I'll talk about a little later that you know once you once you make your setup really easy to go like i just leave my camera there i leave my phone charger right there so when i'm ready to record it's literally like turn on camera connect to app press record you know turn on the studio light and press record and you're good to go
0: so i guess going from there like cause i i feel like that's really an advantage a lot of people might not think about like when you are buying a camera especially if you're going to be um you know, doing stuff yourself, if you're creating content for your business or like in your, especially if you're going to be the talent, you have to buy a monitor to be able to see what's going on. So this is eliminating the fact that, you know, you're not spending that extra $200 on top of whatever you're spending on your camera for a monitor. But are there, could you like briefly go over like some of the advantages that you've seen specifically from the GoPro and then also maybe a couple disadvantages? Because definitely like any cameras, like, you know, certain cameras are not for, everyone depending Mm -hmm. on your situation and and some are are for others you know like like you were saying like you know this is a great alternative for you because you're keeping stuff in focus you can put this on a car you can get this thing wet but somebody else who might be a documentary style filmmaker that's only doing interviews maybe they're not looking for those solutions but it's still a good alternative for somebody else so could you talk like a little bit about the advantages and the disadvantages that you might see
1: yeah absolutely and and before I get into that I think it's important to just note like I do also have a DSLR with a, you know, with a few lenses. Mm-hmm. I'm not all, you know, I'm not just like GoPro only. Like mm-hmm. There are times when I need, uh, you know, just a, 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 a professional photography camera for what I'm shooting. Or mm-hmm. there are times when, you know, even though it's, it's, it's older and it's 1080p, you know, if I need that rack focus, if I need that, I have the tool available to me. Mm-hmm. I predominantly use GoPros just because I like their workflow a lot better and they align with, with what I'm doing. But, mm-hmm. but the thing to know is that they are different cinematic looks. The GoPro has a, a fixed focal length. Uh, it's about a foot in front of the camera. So anything that's about a foot in front of the camera is gonna be 100% in focus. Uh, mm-hmm. Once you get closer than that, you, you <laughs> it gets real blurry real quick. Um, and, and also the GoPro, because of that, everything's in focus. So whatever you see is what the GoPro is going to capture. If your background is super busy mm-hmm. and you're trying to distinguish a product from it, well, you better have control of the lighting or you better be able to put some draping or something or you better be able to, to kind of block that off visually somehow because the GoPro is going to capture every detail all the way back. Mm-hmm. So if you're really focused on, if you're really trying to single out and and extract your your subject from the background, from mm-hmm. the scene, the GoPro is is not the camera to do that. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, battery life also is a factor. Uh, you know, when you're filming at, especially when you're filming at higher frame rates and higher resolutions, you know, you're going to get anywhere between twenty minutes out of that out of the GoPro over the course of recording. I'm not saying you're going to get twenty minutes from the from power on, but what you are going to get is. 20 minutes of film Mm -hmm. out of a single battery. And for my style of production, that's generally not a problem. Uh, You know, I shoot, um, you know, performance luxury off road vehicles for Mm -hmm. one of my clients. And you know, that used to take an hour and a half to shoot a product. And that's just shooting time. You know, now we've gotten that down to you know, 45 minutes, including setup time, Mm -hmm. you know, where I'm able to just to just rip through these products, because I know, I know their environment, I know how to manipulate it. But if I was looking for that cinematic, that cinematic, look, I I wouldn't go with the GoPro. And, Mm -hmm. and I would also likely go with a Canon or uh, even like a Sony, Mm -hmm. where they have traditionally significantly better battery performance and life. You know, there are certain uh, Canon EOS models that you can hit record and put it out in the sun on the hot asphalt and it will still be recording a few hours later depending on what kind of SD card size Mm -hmm. you have in there. SD cards also, I I do want to talk about just the, the form factor of GoPro and recognizing the value of your content that's on it because I have found that when people move away from professional gear, they get less professional with their gear. And that's not what you want to to. So, you know, while you can buy super large SD cards, I generally cap out about 128 gigs for, for an SD card, because I would only want to lose 128 gigs of, of data if I lost any data at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, because... You know, the GoPro, with the simplicity of being able to shoot and the ease of shooting, you can shoot a lot. And when you're sitting there saying, hey, I want 4K at 60 frames a second, well, that's about a giga that's about a gig a minute. So so be cognizant of that. And and also, you know, as rugged and dependable as the GoPro is, it has its nuances and personality that uh, that sometimes impact a shoot. Mm-hmm. I got multiple GoPros because I had read in multiple reviews that while they are dependable, when they're not dependable, they're, they're just, they're finicky for a day. Mm-hmm. And that happens. I've, I've experienced that on a few shoots. It's not common, but it is something that you are going to want to understand when you're doing this production, that having a, a B camera and, and for some people who, who want that cinematic look, I recommend getting a GoPro as a great B camera or behind the scenes camera. Or if you want to, uh, to just go the GoPro route, you know, get a DSLR for photography and stuff like that. You're going to, to thank yourself for the versatility you have. And just as a person creating content, you, you really want to maximize your time mm-hmm. because it is so easy to just sync hours and hours and hours into a project that you later realize maybe wasn't worth that investment of time. And then on the technical side, that noise and grain are going to be much more of a factor on a GoPro than they are on a DSLR camera. Uh, Or because sensor size for one, you know, you can't look at a GoPro and be like, oh, it's got such a small footprint. You'd be like, well, they made compromises to get it that size. Mm -hmm. And when you have a smaller sensor, You need to definitely focus on your lighting equipment or just getting good lighting in a scene and and getting your white balance correct. It's a great starter camera, but if you've used broadcast cameras and stuff before, you've used high-end Canons or you used high-end Sonys or RED cameras, then if you take all of that knowledge and understanding of how those more advanced cameras work and you get handed a more simplified version of it... Mm -hmm. The, the amount of craft that you can put on that tool the amount of, of knowledge you can leverage to get the best picture possible is above and beyond and, and much easier to achieve than for those more complicated pieces of hardware
2: absolutely those are those are really good points um, and kind of going along with that you know what what else should people you know be carrying in their uh, you know video kit or what do you carry? In your video kit, you know, when you're working with with GoPros, you know, are you are you using multiple GoPros? What do you do? You've kind of touched on some of this, but what do you do yeah. about things like stabilization and lighting and audio and you know things like that?
1: So uh, I actually, um, uh, Bill and Kathy can see me, but this is literally my gear. This is what I go on to set with, and this is just it. And two this one is cases. only for
2: yeah, two, two small little two, black bags.
1: Yeah. Two <laughs> tiny little black cases. One is the GoPro Casey case, which, uh, surprise, surprise, is really good at holding GoPros and accessories for GoPros. Mm-hmm. And then one is just a, uh, one of those random, like, get a thousand GoPro piece accessory kits and and it comes in a hard case. Mm-hmm. And this one's just for special occasions. This is where all of my, like, if I want to strap it to my chest or get a headshot or, or mount it to a bike or have a longer uh tripod pole or have one of my various cases for the gopro all that stuff stays in here Mm -hmm. and i really make it so where i can just grab the the gopro casey case that has everything i need for a full production i can do everything with what is contained in here and uh, i'm gonna do my best to verbalize what I'm showing uh, or call out the product name specifically. Mm-hmm. Otherwise it's just going to sound a little weird where I'm like, and then I do this and then I have this. Uh, so I'm actually going to to show uh, Bill and Kathy, my setup of what I normally shoot on on screen. So I've got the GoPro hero eight. I've got the media mod. Uh, quick thing on the, on the media mod. It is not a great shotgun microphone. It's not. Mm-hmm. but I paid a premium for two hot shoes and honestly, an aluminum, uh, an aluminum case is a little less expensive, but being able to plug solidly right into the form factor is way better than that dongle. Uh, I, I spent the media, mod, I spent money on the media mod, even though it's not, it's, it's really not that much better than the than the microphones that come on the GoPro Hero Eight. In mm-hmm. fact, I think it only really exists because to get the to get the cold shoes on there, they had to cover up some microphones. So they just put the same quality microphones there. They they basically just offset uh, what they what they lost. So if you're not looking to 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 do audio mm-hmm. in a more professional capacity, and the cameras, as long as you the, the microphones as long as you have some control of your environment Mm -hmm. and you do make some, uh, concessions, as far as soundproofing, you can get away with just the GoPro and a, and a tripod, Uh, even just a grip that breaks down into a tripod. Um, so I've got the, I've got the media mod on there. I do also have the GoPro light mod. Uh, For most of my shoots, if I'm capturing audio, uh, I will have the Rode Video Micro on there, and I will also have the Rode Wireless Go receiver on uh, the other cold shoe on my GoPro Media Mod. And I have a really, really great breakout cable. Uh, you'd be surprised, but a, a, an audio splitter, a breakout cable, mm-hmm. is probably one of the, the hardest pieces of gear to source because there are almost no good ones on the market. They, they all pop and crackle and hiss. Uh, and I found one that does not. Um, it is from Hosa. Mm-hmm. H-O-S-A.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I have uh, both of the, I have that split to the left and right channel for the shotgun mic, the the Rode Video Micro, and for the lavalier wireless audio for the Rode Wireless Go. hmm uh, and then I've got that attached to the GoPro Shorty. This is my if I want to go super light running gun. This is my setup that I bring on on set because it can be a tripod, so I can get a stationary shot if I need to. Mm-hmm. I can quickly break it into a grip and, you know, put it in more of like a a leaned, a uh, a 45 degree angle with the handle, so I can get a little bit better stabilization when I'm just kind of mm-hmm. glide walking, and and for the stabilization, by the way. Um, I recently stumbled across a product. I don't have it in my hands. I don't know if it's ever going to ship. Uh, I feel confident that it will, but it's a Kickstarter and, uh, they say they're going to ship in September and it's called the grav grip and it is a hydraulic batteryless gimbal. And I'm really excited to get my hands on that and mm-hmm. to, and to utilize that because the GoPros stabilization, especially on boost. Gets you like eighty to ninety percent of the way there, as far as stabilization is concerned. So for me, it's it's hard to justify keeping track of and charging and troubleshooting another piece of gear to close a ten percent gap. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you have to you have to to really be cognizant of the diminishing returns when it comes to more tech, more hardware. At a certain point, you become IT for yourself instead of a creative. Yeah, I want to jump
0: ahead. in real quick and just mention for the people that are listening. Um, so just in case there is any confusion, if you if you haven't really worked with a GoPro or you do have a GoPro and you're kind of curious, because I know you can't see, and I, I am actually recording part of this, and if, I'll try and oh, put good. this yeah. up. That way people can kind of get a good visual. But basically, you're looking at the GoPro itself. So if you know what that action camera looks like, and then what mm-hmm. Nathan's talking about adding for these modifications, it's almost like putting a cage around the GoPro so you can yes. attach your microphones or a light to the top of it so it's allowing you to attach these couple different things and then the tripod that you're talking about that's kind of almost like that tabletop tripod that a lot of people see a little bit more higher end it's not it doesn't look as like um flimsy it looks like it's well put together but something as simple yes. as that I feel like just and if you can I don't know ballpark just the cost of what you have right there um, That would probably be a good rig to kind of just get started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And before I talk about cost, I want to Mm -hmm. give you guys a recommendation. Mm -hmm. So GoPro, when you sign up for the Pro account, you get a steep discount on accessories. And the beautiful thing is that if you stop seeing value in the Pro account after you got such a great discount on these accessories, well, it's very easy to cancel and it's only $5 a month. Uh, I keep it because uh, it gives you it's not a free replacement of the GoPro but it's about 60 to eighty dollars to replace a GoPro if damaged through mm. this through this plan and you get two replacements no questions asked each year um, I had a GoPro recently fail and I sent it to them paid my 60 bucks and got a brand new, they only send you what you what you send in so if you send in a gopro 7 they're going to give you a gopro Seven. You send in a gopro 5 they're going to give you a gopro 5. and i got a brand new gopro 5 which was one of the ones that went out and and you know that was way less expensive than to buy it on 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 the market or to to continue using a camera that that had had its time
3: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, so when i'm talking accessories i am talking through the lens of if you were to buy Everything included in this kit, in mm-hmm. this one GoPro Casey kit, altogether I'd say probably about five hundred dollars. So for five hundred
0: dollars, to... you're talking about having basically having a rig that you can start shooting decent video on. You know, oh, yeah. you're, you're going to have stabilization, you're going to have good audio quality, you're going to have the ability to, you know, that that camera can get wet. I assume so you could take that out with you and things uh, like that.
1: One thing that's important to note. Uh, it is only waterproof as just the GoPro itself. Once you put the media mod on it, it okay. is not waterproof anymore. So Good do not mind. do not submerge your media mod <laughs> GoPro or you will destroy everything. That is not a lesson I learned personally, but I have seen some Twitter rants that are pretty epic of someone going like, I can't believe it's not waterproof. And it's like it's like it's an open microphone with mesh. What do you want? <laughs>
0: One thing I would like to mention just for everyone listening. So you're talking about $500 is getting you started and, you know, uh-huh. take, you know, just talking about a little bit too, like what you said, Nathan, and I think this is important. It It isn't for everyone. Yeah. You know, there are things, there are drawbacks, but you know, I think for a business owner listening or a marketing team, oh, yeah. that's like, Hey, what can, what kind of camera can I get to start recording social media videos? What can I get to take with me? I think for $500 you're getting started versus if you wanted to go you know, um, into the, the <laughs> higher end video cinematic realm. And I'm just, I pulled up on, on B and H photo and video, just to, for an example, you know, the black magic design pocket cinema 4k is a hot camera right now. And mm-hmm. for $1,200, you get the body. That's the body in one battery. Yeah. Yeah. You're still yeah. buying lenses. And then you have to
1: spend, yeah. And then you have to spend, uh, at least the same amount or double mm-hmm. if you really want to get a lens, that's going to allow you to take full advantage of that. And mm-hmm. And that's just the 4K one. That's not even the 8K one. Yeah. The 8K one is like, what, like double that?
0: Yeah, I think it's like um, around 2200 or something like that. Yeah.
1: And and you should be aware that you can shoot broadcast quality content on this setup if you have a little bit of understanding of the settings. It is it is it is not impossible to achieve. You, you do have to know the tool. Mm-hmm. But because it is simple, it is straightforward, the learning curve is is much less steep and is much more accessible for someone who isn't uh, who isn't well versed in camera equipment. You could leave everything on auto and and be mostly fine.
0: So I think that's a, a key thing to think about for people listening to. I feel like we were t- kind of talking about at the beginning, it's intimidating for people after they've kind of come up with this concept. Now they' go we're going to go shoot, and I feel like the world of video production, even prior to the DSLR era, was confusing for people. As soon as you got out of your home video cameras and started getting broadcast cameras, there are things that you had to start considering. Um, you know, like white balance. You know, your um, your zebras, and you don't want to be overexposed. You're talking <laughs> about broadcast quality audio having the correct connectors like an XLR connector and then to take the DSR world, similar to what you were saying, Nathan, is you're taking a camera design for photography and you're essentially retrofitting that camera to be able to be used for recording video because that wasn't its primary function when it was created. Nope. And now, It was a lifeline,
1: really. It's a lifeline yeah. feature to, to get you to buy a photography camera. Oh, yeah. In today's world.
0: Well, and I remember back when I was in like when when I first got into this and, you know, broadcast cameras were very prevalent and there were not a lot of I mean, DSLRs didn't shoot video. So it was the goal of especially people in the film industry. It was your options were to either use a broadcast camera where you didn't have control Mm -hmm. over different things like like a shallow depth of field or these cinematic images Or you would have to go into the film realm where you were probably actually still shooting on film because you couldn't afford anything that was digital. And like, what's amazing with this GoPro setup for five hundred dollars. And I I really I keep stressing this price to people that are listening because you for five hundred dollars, you're going to be able to shoot video higher quality than your cell phone. You're going to be able to have Mm -hmm. higher quality audio. You're going to have in camera stabilization, which is huge, because if you have a DSLR or broadcast camera, you need a tripod or you need a gimbal, some way of being able to stabilize. So you're going to have a lot of stabilization. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. You can't, you know, you know, toss the thing around and spin in circles and hope that it's going to stay steady. <laughs> yes. But for what you're saying though, for what people could be doing with it, I think that's impressive. You know, being able to get started with $500 minimum and be able to have this great setup. I mean, you still have to buy lighting, I'm assuming, to try and make it. Work yeah. I mean,
1: that. they're there, you know, that's $500 to just, that's, that is the equivalent of the $1,500 cinematic camera uh, YouTube videos. This is going to get you the setup. Mm-hmm. You're still going to need some gear and accessories beyond this. So when we talk about price tag, that's that's the important thing to note, is that when they just say it's $1,500, it's, it's never $1,500. <laughs> it, it never is. And you really have to understand that the closer to perfect you want to get, Mm-hmm. the more premium you're going to pay and the the, uh, the much less you're going to get at those higher thresholds of, of that price range. Um, and that's the thing is that, is that, you know, when you're capturing content, this is all you really need. Mm-hmm. I need good audio. And I, and this setup actually gives you on-camera audio, your shotgun audio and dedicated uh, dedicated audio. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the Rode Wireless Go is that the uh, the portion that you would leave with the subject mm-hmm. is itself has a microphone on it. So you don't even necessarily need a lavalier microphone. I do recommend one and, mm-hmm. and I recommend that you don't go too inexpensive on that because mm-hmm. it's worthless to spend $200 on an audio receiver and then not spend probably about $75, mm-hmm. at least maybe a hundred dollars on a Lavalier microphone to get the benefit of it. You mm-hmm. know, you don't, <laughs> it's just not advantageous to spend that money and make that investment and not get the yield from it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and, and I also want to talk about just convenience. This setup is super convenient. I mean, this can travel with you no problem mm-hmm. inside of a case. And one of the things that I focused on when building this setup and building this gear kit was convenience at every turn. I want it to be fun to use. Your, your most creative work is going to come when you're having fun, when you're engaged, when you are in that inspirational mindset and you're bouncing stuff off and you're trying stuff and you're you're building that, that narrative and visual in your mind when you're there on set and, and and the closer to that that you can be mm-hmm. the better the product you put forward will be but yeah so so on that not only is not only do i pick this camera for that reason mm-hmm. but i also have these little helpful things so what's the worst thing about gear maintenance and servicing it and charging it before a shoot and making sure everything is, is ready for the day. So you can really put forward that professional quality service that you are striving for. Mm -hmm. And charging was the most annoying thing, you know, having to have 20 USB cables so I could charge things was, was ludicrous to me. Mm -hmm. So I got these, uh, these, you won't be able to see it, but I have these magnetic USB cables and these USB, uh, nibs that you just put inside you just put inside the the port Mm -hmm. and then when you want to charge it all you do is just click that right on there and bam i'm charging i also have a a gopro hero 5 as a b camera just Mm -hmm. in case the gopro hero 8 is acting up and i've got all the fixins to be able to use the audio the professional audio on that camera Mm um and one thing that I also have is I have this little crappy $7 time-lapse camera and it plays a very vital role in my gear bag and that it's a security system somewhat. You know, when you have gear on set, you, you want to have as little gear with you on set as possible because sometimes things walk away. Mm-hmm. And having some system, Where you can discreetly monitor your hardware and gear is going to save you a lot of headaches Mm -hmm. so i just picked up this little seven dollar like looping dash cam for like literally seven dollars and i just pressed record and set it out of sight with my stuff in view and i walk away and if anything goes missing i am able to review footage and 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 know Uh, If anything walked away or if I was just dumb and left something there on set.
2: (laughs) That's a really brilliant idea. I mean, I I, I think you've really, you know, showed us through this podcast and also, you know, through your work, people should check out um, how you can really have a, a really convenient and cost effective solution with the GoPros. Um, and it's a, a really easy, affordable way to get started. I know we covered a lot of ground in this yes. podcast, but, yes. and, and we could talk a lot more. But, <laughs> yes. you know, if you could maybe just sum up like, what are the three most important things that you really want our listeners to walk away with after listening to this podcast episode?
1: It would be to get comfortable with imposter syndrome. You are going to feel at every step of this process every step of your journey being a creative and especially in the world of film and photography because so much of it is subjective you are probably going to feel like no matter what you do no matter what you're shooting on that people are going to know that you that like there is no perfect solution for video production there is no perfect way to do it so we all have this in our mind that there is, but there isn't there. There is no one true production method. So embrace that imposter syndrome. Call yourself a creative, call yourself a content creator, a director, a producer, a designer, and then start the work that gets you there.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Just do it. And and that would be my second point is just go shoot, get something out there. Because I can tell you, uh, you know, Bill and I have been—I've uh, been sharing a, a, a project that I've been working on with Bill that I uh, that I'm not a hundred percent happy with, but mm-hmm. that I am considering done. I'm closing the door on it because at a certain point in time, I'd rather have work out there than this than this ever-moving target of perfect. I'd rather have a snapshot of where I was at that time as a creative, as a professional, than have this idea that I, I'm hiding my work away from the world. Mm -hmm. And, and that would be my third point would be embrace who you are as a person when you're getting into this field. For the longest time, I felt like I was being the most vanilla version of myself to accommodate this really really weird these really really weird rituals we do in business. Like one case in point is, so I live in Florida where it is commonly 90 degrees with 90 plus humidity. Mm. Yet whenever there's a business event, whether it's indoor or outdoor, we are all dressed in suits. Why? <laughs> Why are we all doing this to ourselves? And and I got into this habit of being like this generic version of myself for a long period of time. And I was always, you know, what, do, what do I say? What do I, how do I get my real feeling out there? And I mean, you can see it on my social media. I for the longest time did not contribute to social media because I was concerned about putting my true self out there. You know, I'm a little, I'm a little unorthodox. I'm a little nonconformist. I'm a little unconventional. Mm. I'm a little weird. (laughs) And and that's a good thing. I have a very unique perspective, as do your listeners, as do you guys, Mm. that makes my message, my content worth sharing in my view, because there Mm. are people out there that are like me and who, who may not be like me but who connect with me on this point and topic that I'm sharing. Mm -hmm. And it's not about being Mm -hmm. liked by everybody. It's about being loved by a select few Mm -hmm. that you have the honor of working with, which is how I feel about my clients. It's how I feel about my collaborators. It's how I feel about my partners that, you know, I, as much as this work is the client's, Mm -hmm. it is a representation of my abilities to tell their story and stories in ways that that genuinely connect with people Mm -hmm. and when you're able to get to that point where not only can you tell your own stories but you can tell the stories of others that's when you're wielding real power in the world of content marketing
2: definitely And, and then you know there's Video is such a wonderful way to do that. It's a wonderful medium to, uh, you know, people can use to share their stories. And that's what's, I know that's what, you know, Bill and I always get really excited about too, is, you know, learning from our clients and being able to help share, you know, their stories as well. We always love, you know, that uh, personal connection and we're able to share that as well. So, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. You've given us so much great information. Um, and then, if people want to learn more, how can they get a hold of you or where should they go for more information?
1: Uh, well, I recently launched a redesign of nathanrafter.com, which is my home on the internet. So you can go ahead and go there. You can check out some case studies that I've built out recently, uh, one of which is, is focused specifically on how I leverage video to generate. Uh, sales opportunities for my clients. You can check me out on LinkedIn, YouTube, uh, Facebook, and Twitter at uh, Nathan Rafter at slash Nathan Rafter, all one word. And then I think on Instagram it's Nathan Rafter Inc. You know, definitely connect with me there and you know get involved. If you see my work and you you want to comment or you're interested in how I got a particular shot, I am. I have a background in in teaching. I taught at Full Sail for for about three years across the across nearly every class in the web design and development program. And I am happy to teach you. I am happy to share this wonderful power to create content, because the truth is, I could teach you a bunch of stuff, but your content is always going to be different from mine. Your what you can create is always going to be different from me. And what I like what what I think is really great is when clients are empowered to make their own content and then they collaborate with me to step it up to that next level or to or to help them package it, get it out there for the world to see. That that is also a service I offer and something that I enjoy. I like when others are creating I like that honest content.
0: Well, thanks for sharing that with us, Nathan. I think that anybody listening, if you want to learn more, definitely check out Nathan's website, his social media. I'm going to link it into uh, the show notes, so you'll be able to connect with them through there. And then, Nathan, if you don't mind me asking just something I'd like to include in the show notes, if you can send Mm -hmm. some stuff to me, um, if you can send me maybe a couple pictures of your, your setup and then maybe some links, so if people are interested in you know, jumping on uh, Amazon or on b and maybe picking up their Absolutely. own rig, they know where to get started. That would be outstanding.
1: Yeah, I am. I'm actually in the process of working on a full review, a kind of a full walkthrough of my gear right now. I don't know if it's going to be up by the time this episode is, but I will certainly share a list of gear mm-hmm. that I think is, is necessary to have, um, on the GoPro side of things, anything on the DSLR side, you've got, thousands of videos <laughs> have fun. <laughs> but for this particular setup, uh, I'd be happy to share to share um, you know, what hardware I'm using. Uh, and and if you guys have questions, you know, hit me up on social media of like why I picked this piece of gear over this one. I have been very purposeful in my selections mm-hmm. and have really put these things through the ringer. So if you're considering something or you or you question why I went with something over over something else, I'd be happy to to, to enlighten you.
0: Awesome. Thank you. I, we really appreciate that. I'm sure our viewers do too. And then when you do get that video done, if it's not done before this episode um, goes up, I'll make sure to update it once you send me the link. This way anyone who comes back to this episode or finds it later on, they can go ahead and watch your video. So I'll make sure that that's linked too. Um,
1: perfect now now i have inspiration to go ahead
0: and get it done <laughs> <laughs> that's right now remember like we were talking about done's better than perfect which i know you said it you've done's been, better than
1: perfect been yep. working on
0: so um, but for everybody listening we just want to thank you again for uh, your continued support but we still want to hear from you so uh, make sure that uh, you send us an email at info at or feel free to jump on our social media, send us a DM, let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. If there's anything you want to hear us talk about in an upcoming episode, Nathan will definitely be back for an upcoming episode. I have plans to uh, have Kathy and I talk with him again about um, Facebook ads and how to use some of these uh, videos that he's creating into ads. And I think that that'll be enlightening as well. So we look forward to having you back for that episode, Nathan.
1: I am looking forward to being back.
0: Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening and we will catch you on the next podcast. Peace. Thanks for listening to Watch Time. Make sure to subscribe and
1: share the podcast and leave us feedback on today's episode. That's a wrap.